Welcome to If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me, also known as The Dagon Sphere. This is a weekly-ish podcast where we talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer each episode, according to its original air date 20 years ago. But this week, we're actually talking about Season 2 at large. We're going to be talking about the character development, we're going to be talking about relationships, and we're going to be talking about who won the season, who was the MVP. So please join us on our Season 2 recap journey. It's been a really long time. Oh, remember at the the end of season two, and we're like, "Hey, we'll see you next week," and then we never came back. But we're here now. Daniel, say hello. I don't know if we said see you next week. We did, I think, say. I said a couple weeks. We've taken some liberties. Stacia, say hello. Hello. To try to get our brains back together and get focused, get in the Buffy zone. What was happening in the summer of 1998? I wonder. Times have been lean. At if the apocalypse comes, beat me. We've had. Some spotty uh, service as far as robots are concerned. We've had to downsize a little bit. We've had to kill off maybe some characters. Uh, but but maybe, if we're lucky, we can get some some kind of, of machine to tell us what happened in 1998. Let's, let's see. Let's check in. Year of Little Faith. We're here for the send-off to season two. We've just been offered gigs on other podcasts and doing a 20-year-old celebration of an already beloved television show seemed like a low priority. The world's kind of in flames, yo. But maybe it's always been in flames. It has, Karen. It has. In May, Pakistan exploded five nuclear devices in response to Indian tests. The United States and Japan impose economic sanctions. Saturday Night Live star Phil Hartman was murdered by his wife. In June, California voters approved Proposition 227 that abolished the state's bilingual education programs. It was repealed by Prop 58 in 2016. Terry Nichols was sentenced to life for his role in the Oklahoma City bombing. The Chicago Bulls win their sixth and last NBA title by defeating the Utah Jazz 87-86 as Jordan hits the shot over Brian Russell to win it. The Detroit Red Wings swept the Washington Capitals to win the Stanley Cup. Washington DC wouldn't be happy again until Jordan became a wizard, then when the Capitals won the Stanley Cup this year. And which is more significant, the Supreme Court rules that the Line Item Veto Act of 1996 is unconstitutional or the release of Windows 98. Debate. July may have been deleted from my hard drive but in August the bombings of the US embassies in Dar es Salaam Tanzania and Nairobi Kenya that resulted in 224 deaths and over 4,500 injuries would be linked to a then obscure terrorist, Osama bin Laden. Bill Clinton admitted to getting a blowjob, which feels incredibly minor in the hellscape of today. In September, Google was founded and, in baseball, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa surpass Roger Maris's home run record of 61 with the assist from the steroids and go fish. If you ask me why I'm not in Iraq one more time, I just might tell you. I don't care Oyston, not anymore. How about Music Girl? Will a movie help? Let's talk culture. Kelly, take notes, for the fun time summer playlist, after Buffy ended, we got flew into the sun with Sean Lennon, followed by Godzilla, Natalie Merchant and Ophelia, Zaya was there, where blood and fire bring rest, or, as DMX would say, it's dark and hell is hot, Slayer, the Diabolus and Musica, pick the playlist for Satan, Coldplay's first EP, Safety, the Smashing Pumpkins Adore, and Aaron Carter's debut. 
Brandy and Monica were fighting after the boy, Master P, De Last Don, and Van Morrison's Philosopher's Stone. Yet, like, really Van Morrison, Harry Potter much. Rain Wilson begs your imagination, otherwise you'll be slowly going the way of the buffalo with MXPX singing the Midwestern songs of the Americas with Dillinger 4. Karen. Yes dear. Hello nasty. Excuse me. Beastie Boys, Rancid's Life Won't Wait, The Vandals Hitler Bad Vandals Good, F.A. Infinity by Godspeed You Black Emperor, Confessions of Fire from Cameron, White Chocolate Space Eggless Fair, Everyone's Favorite, Candy Ass by Orgy. On the same day saw Kid Rock's Devil Without a Cause Corns follow the leader at the drive-ins and casino out in Death Cab for cuties something about airplanes. Lauren Hill began her miseducation, Elliot Smith signed off XO, Holt and their celebrity skin, Bell and Sebastian welcomed the boy with the Arab strap to the band's jubilation, Hootie and the Blowfish played musical chairs with Marilyn Manson's mechanical animals, blonde redhead in the background had an expression of the inexpressible. But maybe they were contemplating the Goo Goo Dolls dizzying up the girl at www.thug.com. Indeed Patty, Royston, all the characters that made up season 2 of the news that has been dragged along with this podcast about Buffy. Thanks Kelly, Stacia, Dumbo. We may sound different for season 3, better quality, better storylines, more coherence. Hopefully the world in 2018 can close with some of those traits. Good night. Possibly thanks, robots. Robot parentheses S. So what happened in this season? It was only 22 hours of television. Let me <laughs> briefly summarize what exactly happened this season. Buffy is really upset about the death of the master because of all the haunty dream stuff. And she comes back with a really bad attitude. But she gets over there really quickly, luckily. And we just kind of move through the season. Her and Angel are getting really close. And they take their relationship to the next level, as people would tactfully say in the 90s about people who were knocking boots. Uh, something terrible happens, as it's wont to do, because Joss Whedon has a fucked up relationship with sex, and because Buffy has sex with her boyfriend, he turns evil and starts trying to kill all of her friends, and succeeds by killing Giles Paramore, Jenny Calendar, R.I.P. This pushes Buffy and crew over the edge. Angel has got to go. Uh, throw into the mix a couple new characters. We got Spike, uh, Drusilla, and Kendra. There's a second vampire slayer, guys, did you know? Don't worry, she's not sticking around very long. Angel, on his path towards extra badness, is going to end the whole world by bringing forth the most underwhelming villain of all time, Akathla. And in the process, uh, Drusilla, as a diversionary tactic, storms the library where Kendra happens to be, kills her. And uh, Buffy goes on to stop Angel from destroying the world and succeeds, but only after his soul is returned at the exact moment she's going to kill him. She does it anyway. She makes the hard choice, makes the right choice, kills Angel. Joyce finds out Buffy's a slayer. Doesn't Never take it well. Angel. What? She doesn't die. She sends, sends Angel to a hell dimension. Thank you, semantics. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it is important. <laughs> uh, Joyce kicks Buffy out of the house for being a vampire slayer slash gay. Uh, and we last thing we see is Buffy sadly traveling away on a bus with Sarah McLaughlin in the background. And her depression overalls Can't firmly depression overalls. clipped on. That's right. So there was a lot this season, twice as much as last year, one might say. Because um, there's twice as many episodes, guys. That's, that was the joke I was making. Okay. Um, I guess there's only 11 more episodes. Anyway. Wow. <laughs> so we try to... Thanks, semantics. <laughs> <laughs> so try to break up um, some categories about what 
what kind of happened here in the, the most easily digestible way. And of course, we're going to go over our rankings for the season and um, talk about some news in the Buffy world because some shit has happened, which is exciting slash scary. Okay, so let's start off with best moments, best and worst moments of the season. Let's say worst first, just because we can end on a high note. Um, Daniel, do you want to start? There were entire episodes that were the worst. True, which was yes. incredible. Yeah, um, which I feel like we can get into when we go into rankings. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. No, we, we don't have to. We try to focus more it, on like moments. And I just found it fun that there were whole episodes that leave such a bad taste in your mouth. <laughs> yes. That, uh, the quintessential moment uh, from episode one is Buffy smashing the Master's Bones. Oh my gosh, uh, the, the never-ending scene. I've ever seen mm-hmm. in my life. Oh, I think it's so much fun. It's like bruh. it's like that moment in Mean Girls where she's forever breaking that crown into pieces. Oh right, yeah. you know she like broke it in half, threw half out, and then breaks it into like fourteen more pieces. They're all half of a crown, and she's just like one for you and one for you. So she's just forever smashing bones that regenerate. I love it. Yeah, that is pretty great. <laughs> so two greats, one horrible. <laughs> I just and that's just traditionally for me not a not a great episode. Of, I want to like it more than I do, but I really hate the master showing up in season two. Just not my bag. I think my worst moment of the season is probably when the coach throws Buffy into the fish pit and is like, my boys have other needs. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. So yeah. That's a good one. Well, to piggyback on that, uh, the I, I was going to say lizard people in general. Yeah. Uh, mm. you know, reptile boy. And obviously Makita. The rapey, yeah. the rapey lizards uh, with the coach. Yeah. yeah. Definitely a low point. We'll talk about uh, Reptile Boy in a little bit. Um, for me, the worst... Uh, I, I'm kind of glad that I didn't exhaustively go over my notes for this season because I think that what should be the things we focus on are the ones that leave the lasting impact, right? Especially since our, our podcast here is supposed to be 20 years on. Mm. Um, so what, what things stick with you without having to go back and really process and think of it? So the things that jumped out to me as being the worst uh, parts of this season <laughs> in Killed by Death, one of the worst episodes ever... Um, One could say the worst. The, I like that episode. The, That's right. You hate that episode. It's my life. Lowest rank. Yeah. Lowest <laughs> 137. It's my only ranking that has stuck well, through with my 2013 ranking. you were just ranking. talking just... about how you hated the first episode of the season. I it's did. literally my highest ranked episode mm-hmm. from season two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, number we, two overall. Well, made some mistakes. And I was uh, like, no. <laughs> <gasps> Do you what? see June right what now? What is that? She's covered <gasps> in <laughs> what? dirt. <laughs> That's like grass. Do you think she was just rolling around? Yeah, come here. No, I've seen this on horses before. Come here, June. Come here, June. It's time to go outside. Come here, June. God, you're so dirty. (laughs) So for me, the worst moments uh, of the season, just a couple. The flu drinking in... Oh, my God. Killed by death. Thank you. The flu drinking and killed by death was just one of the most wacky, painfully things to watch. Mm-hmm. How we science is we just drink vials of infected matter, I guess. No, it's 100% pure. It'll kill you instantly. <laughs> That's right. Must dilute it with apple juice. Yeah. It's deadly nightshade, Peter. Little lady, because oh, yeah. it just oh. makes your skin crawl. Yeah. Uh, and Xander being praised for not being a rapist. Yeah. So those are pretty I mean, that's classic. Yeah. That's classic. Xander. Pretty great moments for the show this isn't real to you you're only here because of a spell i mean if i thought you had one clue what it would mean to me for a season that's going to be pretty low on my season rankings there's actually a handful of really good moments like the things that stick with you like without having to think too hard on it what what, what jumps out as you is like being oh that was great that's something i'll remember in buffy seasons later years later 20 years later to be a fact if this happens in season two then the moment that oz seduces willow in the van 
Mm. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah. When he's like, freeze frame, Willow Kissage. Yes. It's adorable even today. Yeah. It really is. Forever yeah. adorable. Damn mine has got to be ones. mine has got to be Jenny holding that fucking orb. Oh yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> so perfect. Still my favorite moment. Well, I almost season. said that moment with like the stained glass window when he kills her, but uh, then it felt sad. Beautiful. Well, so and the two are the same. One. The two are the yeah. same though. Those are just two incredible moments that I you can't. just never forget. Yeah. And her holding it is just my favorite. I don't know why. And it's such a weird little thing, and it's so fun that it comes up later at the end of the season when she's like, or Giles is like, I've got an orb of Tesla. You know, it doesn't right. matter. It's like a throwaway line, but just reminding you of what she went through in her room journey to get this orb. She know. could have just taken Giles' paperweight the whole time. It, the whole time. And maybe that's what makes it even sadder is that she went through all of this effort to uh, do it on her own when she could have enlisted her friends to, to help her, but she yeah. didn't know. And I don't know. That makes it even worse though. That was also one of our most hated scenes was her actually procuring the orb from uh, the dragon's lair or whatever the magic box used to be called. Horrible. Remember? <laughs> oh, yeah. If you want to go back and listen oh, to like genuine fun. laughter, like dying, go listen to that episode. Oh, I like that episode. Hi, Jenny. You're my favorite Hi, customer. Jenny, you're my favorite customer. <laughs> the orb of Tesla. Bye. No, that was such a fun little interaction. I don't know. I thought it was fun. At the time, we were all dying. Dying. It was great. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Jenny's death for me was one of the highlights, which it sounds weird out of context, but that was, I mean, episode passion. What obviously, a ballsy thing to do on yeah. a show. You didn't expect it. Kill one of the recurring cast, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Angel's death, the finale scene of just Buffy, Sarah Michelle Gellar acting the hell out of that scene. Um, Buffy and Angel scene, and I only have eyes for you, will always be one of my favorites that I'll remember forever. Just, again, my love her and David Morales just really acting the shit out of that scene. Grace, don't do this. I killed you. It was an accident. It wasn't your fault. This is my fault, Algonac. I'm the one who should be sorry, James. You thought I stopped loving you, but I never did. I loved you with my last breath. Buffy's speech to Joyce in Becoming Part 2 when they're having their fight and she's like, don't you think I want to be a normal teenager? Don't you think I would rather be doing homework? And, uh... Or God, even studying! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's very reminiscent of the speech that Buffy has to Giles in Prophecy Girl when she's like, I don't want to die. Mm-hmm. And then Halloween, actually. Um, yeah. We can talk about this during our... Uh, rankings, but just just the whole thing of how fun it was. I think that was a real highlight of the of the season. Yeah, sure. I'm glad you mentioned Sarah Michelle Gellar because like surprise and innocence were highlights for me. She was so good in those, yeah. and really so great in the whole season. But not to give away MVP, but also Spike, <laughs> Spike. I mean, Spike showing up. Yeah. We were all seduced by yeah. Spike showing up, and that is a huge regret. I'm sure we're all going to get to later on. That scene. Uh, I think when does this happen? When Drusilla just like pulls him out of the wreckage and carries him away. That's the end of What's My Line Part Two. Right. Is yeah. that that's in the season though? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's another really, really good moment where you yeah. get an idea. Yeah. It's a really good image. Yeah. Well, it's a really good image, but then you get an idea of like how strong Drusilla is, not just like mentally but physically as well. Yeah. So that later when she does kill Kendra, it's like yeah, of course she could do that. Right. That's a great point. Yeah, because you don't really know what she can do because she just seems like a crazy person, and then it's like oh. 
there is more to this. Actually formidable, yeah. But I also think the best part about this show and this season compared to the last one is like the opening up of the story of Giles. Mm-hmm. We learn all about the Mark of Igon. We meet whatever dude's name is, your favorite guy. Ethan Ray. Ethan, yeah, sure, why not? And then Whistler, you know, and Kendra, <laughs> like all of these great characters from different places in the world, which is kind of fun. And yeah. they kind of keep going with that, which is great. And we also meet Ford, uh, you know, and, and some other people that are let down, but... You know, it's, it's nice to, like, expand. Instead of having the first episode, whatever the guy's name is, who dies right away. Oh, Jesse, yeah. Feet yeah. Under Jesse. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that they thought that was really clever and fun. And obviously, season one, you're trying to establish your friends. Like, who are... What is the show even about? Right. But I like that season two, they're confident enough, even with a lot of terrible episodes, to, like, expand the world. So... To try to bring in a little bit more diversity. Yeah. More, like... Uh, lore? I, I'm so resonant to say that, because it's just, like... Not. It's really just not there. It's not there, yeah. We can pretend there's a lot of lore, but there's, but there's really not. There's mostly just yada yada mm-hmm. Uh What about the best and worst villains? I would say just Monsters of the Week, which are definitely included, but um, it's weird to throw Spike in one of those two categories because he's becomes his own recurring character. And yes, he's a villain, but I wouldn't call him Monster of the Week. And we watch this knowing what comes, so it's kind right. of hard. Because even Spike, it's like he was kind of a villain in the first episode. But then not really. Well, the most, yeah, the most monster he is is in School Hard, which, right. as far as villains go, is not a very good villain. I mean, theoretically, he is trying to kill her, but uh, really bad at it. So, really bad at it. so who's who's coming out on top? Who are the best villains of the season? I had Spike as as my favorite. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that's why School Hard for all of us was like so high inexplicably. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially at episode three, we're just like so seduced by what we thought maybe Spike was going to be, and then it was nothing. Um, I would say Oz in phases was also a nice little turn. Oh yeah, I guess he could count. Oh what? So now you're special? You're a special boy. With chains and stuff? Why do you have chains and stuff? Uh, yeah, I would count him. And then uh, I liked whatever Giles and Ethan right. were up against with the Mark of Igon. I enjoyed uh, seeing that level of Giles and also like his frenzy at being like scared of what's going on and all these people dying. So more the idea of the curse and like the past around the whole thing, like For the mythology sure. of that episode. Oh yeah. And less Jenny Calendar being a weird spotted demon. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. It just stood out to me, I guess, yeah. because my worst uh, is much longer and much yes. more um, specific. Because honestly, the worst ones stand out so much more than the good ones this season, especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, for best villains, Spike and Drusilla, I would put them, slot them both, because I always think Drusilla is really cool and underutilized, and I wish that she had more of a feature on the show. Um, Ethan Rain, love Ethan Rain. A- Angel as Angelus, terrifying, oh, I guess or at least the potential to... I mean, it's to hard to take him, though, because it would be like being like, the Master is the worst villain in season one, and it's like... Well, obviously. I yeah, but, that's right. I didn't even think about Angel. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, he definitely, he definitely is. Was, yeah. yeah, well, yeah. And then uh, The Judge, which I know everyone You've hates. you the best? But I love The Judge. Not the best, but just like of the of the best villains. Funny. I love the makeup. Um, I love the actor. Of course, I can't fucking remember his name no, right now. But he plays there. Luke in The um, in the Harvest and uh, Welcome to the Hellmouth. And I just, I don't know. I, I love that he gets taken out by a rocket launcher. I just really, really like it. If we're going to talk about just straight up monster of the week and not villains in general, because I don't think Spike or Angel fit, so I'm not going to talk about those. Right, that's why I opened it up to villains, but we kind of... Yeah, but as far as monster of the week goes, I mean, Mama Bazaar, right? Oh, God. I was going to put that on my worst, but then I just didn't even want to talk about it. No, I think... (laughs) Well, I think 
maybe my favorite villain is probably the ghost boy from I Only Have Eyes for You. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Because one, it made a really good episode, and two, people actually died, which isn't always true yeah. for the villains. So he's actually quite lethal as far as what Buffy faces. And That's a good point. It was a really good episode. Yeah, for me, um, it was hard to delineate between best and worst because what do you mean by that, right? Like, for mm. me, my worsts are kind of the best villains and that they're the, the baddest villains, if that makes sense. So, yeah. um, but I did a little bit of both. I did a, like, this is inexcusable and this is a terrible villain. And then also these are deplorable people. So Daniel, what are, what are your worst? A simple, simple, simple list. The Judge and Akatha are the worst. They're definitely the most ineffective. Yes. yes. And that'll yeah. get to later on when we talk about what we wanted different about the season. Yeah. I would say they're almost number one. Um, in, in terms of like, in terms of just storytelling, they don't have to be bad people or, or really bad villains, but there needs to be a point to them because there was no point to either one of those. Well, I think cause the greater thing is it's not that they're the villains they're just the tools the villains are using, which sure. I think is why they come off as being so blocked. Cause it doesn't matter. Right. Cause when you get to like season five and you've got, um, glory, glory, she's her own villain and she's her own like weapon. She doesn't need, right. A Akafla to come and end yeah. the world because she will end the world yes. you know and so I think that's part of it is that Angel is super villainous but you know he's using tools too he's using Akafla and, yeah. and Drusilla and Spike are using the judge so it's yeah. almost more like they're weapons versus the actual bad guy because they don't have any agency of their own they're not the ones making choices they're the ones being used for other that's you know point. villains means yeah so. yeah that's a great point so I mean, but that being said, they're really poor. <laughs> <laughs> who are your worst? Um, I mean, yeah, putting it in perspective of, like, you said, because I think Makita is a terrible villain, but I appreciate the work they did on actually building... Yeah, it looked really cool. ...the actual character, but go fish. I don't know. I hate that episode. Yeah. I don't like the fish people. It's cool they made a suit you could swim in, but I don't think they're, like, visually that interesting. No. They're hard to see, too, because of the quality. Like, thank God we're moving on to season three where the video quality is going to get better. But, like, it's a dark costume. So a lot yeah. of the work and detail they put in this masks and stuff, you can't even see yeah. because it's so dark the whole time. I don't like that that episode called for Xander in a bathing suit. <laughs> I don't like the rape stuff. I don't like the coach. I don't like the whole we're breathing in steroids so it turns oh, us into fish it's people. In and every time a gun is introduced, it, it always feels really out of place. Awful. Yeah. Mama Bizor also wasn't a great villain. <laughs> but I have a soft spot in my heart for bad eggs. I don't know. I think it's a fun episode. I mean, I like the gorgeous Lyle and Tector. Yeah, but oh, I don't God. think of them as being... They're <laughs> not really anything. anything. I don't think of them. <laughs> Period. End of sentence. I guess you could say Xander is also the worst villain. For me, the worst villains... Uh, I th- just piggybacking off the coach thing, he could definitely be in there because he actually murdered someone. He threw the fucking mm. lunch lady mm. into yeah, the pitches. Yeah, he and who, else, who knows how many other people he's thrown down there to... I mean, obviously try to get and Buffy And he knew what was happening and yes. kept doing it, so... Um, well, it makes Snyder a villain. Snyder kind of knows what's happening and not just really lets doing it ride. anything. Yeah. yeah, so in that vein, I would say Richard and Tom, actually, from Reptile Boy and not Makita because mm-hmm. they are uh, rapists and murderers, so not cool. Yeah. Um, and again, in that same vein, Chris and Eric from Some Assembly Required, they yeah, are yeah, yeah. murderers. Oh, yeah. Um, or potential murderers. They're just body defilers, right? What is it? Defiling yeah. corpses? Yeah. Uh, but they were going to try to kill Cordelia in order right. to build the zombie bride uh, Akafa awful and I also would put the judge because again yeah. like I really like the judge for his potential but in action I think that's a, a great 
uh, description of he's just a tool. He doesn't really do yeah, anything. I never thought about the tool. There was a lot of potential, but nothing was acted upon. <laughs> I believe the uh, subtext here is rapidly becoming uh, <coughs> a text. So let's talk about how each episode ended up stacking up. Not all of them, because there's a lot of them, but our best and worst episodes of the season. I rank every episode in the season individually, meaning that this season has 1 through 22. Stacia has ranked them 1 through 34, because I will encompass every episode we've seen to date. And Daniel has a fun ranking system where back in 2013, when we first watched the series uh, together, well, he watched it for the first time, I was watching it again. He ranked all the episodes and kept a little spreadsheet of it and now is ranking them as we go again, 1 through 137 instead of 144 because he's condensed the two-part episodes. So we're going to talk about our best and worst and we'll we'll see where things landed. So for me, number one, passion, best of the season. And that was an easy one. It's unfortunate that our episode, the audio got a little bit messed up. So maybe we'll take some time to talk about it now, why that episode was so great. Um, I mean, obviously Jenny dies as a big deal and just the impact it has on Giles and this being kind of the impetus for oh shit Angel means business like this is not okay he's killed someone um, I think we could have handled it a little differently but it's just one of the most dramatic uh, and unexpected moments of the show to date at that point and I would say even Kendra's death again because of how it was handled pales to, to the impact of Jenny and the fact that Angel doesn't drink her blood he just snaps her neck and walks away is really striking and the scene of him actually doing it is beautiful with the the window and everything mm-hmm. just great imagery and the music throughout the whole thing uh yeah and the the when willow gets the call at well i guess buffy gets a call at her house and willow ends up taking the phone from buffy because she's just destroyed hearing the news about jenny is again one of the best moments and the fact that there's no sound in the scene mm-hmm. is it's fantastic i mean the only downside is after the call when giles is like i need revenge right in the goofy fight scene and it spirals out yeah which really ruins it if it would have ended uh, with that phone call, it would have been way more impactful. Becoming part one and part two, becoming part one, number two overall for me, becoming part two, number three, uh, just talk about them together. I think Whistler was a really cool character. We went over that. That was just the last episode. You could just go listen to them right now. The one's right before this one. Um, so I'm not going to go too far into it because we just went over this. But it's, I mean, it's a finale, man. They, 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 you know, don't pull any punches in the finale. Akatha is a lame duck, but... Uh, the idea represents of you know swallowing the entire world as misguided as that is considering spike even agrees as much like i don't want the world to end man how that that means i end too uh but angel doesn't think that far ahead he's just sad but the fight between buffy and angel is great willow um taking charge and kind of being like i can do this i can be a witch i can save the day is really cool um kendra dies as a big shock and it's it's a really good finale and even the fight which i mean she leaves buffy leaves Sunnydale. Like, that's the only time that happens. Yeah. So, it's, I mean, uh, if unless you count, you kill her. When she kills herself. I guess that's the one way of leaving Sunnydale. Um, It's the only way. It was a good finale. I I think it stands up amongst the finales pretty well. Um, It's just so tough to think about it in the scope of the whole show because it's probably still going to be lower. For me, just because I I like the first two seasons, but they're always going to be... Kind of low man on the total pool for me. That's well, great. we all make mistakes. Speaking make of school hearts, number four for me of the season. So this was my this was my I, I had two two out there that I thought I, if I could go back in time I would change one worse and one best and this is my worst one. I'm I cannot believe I would rank this so much lower than yeah. I did. As you mentioned, we were kind of just all 
so excited to see Spike. And I think it really messed up the ratings. And plus, the first two episodes, when she was bad, is good. Stacia's one of her favorites. It was fine for me. It was a middling episode. But I think just seeing Spike after two episodes that weren't stand out, it was like, oh my god. Come on. Yeah. Talk about low of low, and then you get Spike. Shit. You're ready to go. Yeah, it's, I mean, in the end, without the addition of Spike, he does kill the anointed one in that episode, which is another reason I'm sure that should have been on my worst villains. Oh my god, I forgot it existed again. Uh... That, I'm sure that had a lot to do with my ranking, but uh, School Hard, I'm just going to move on to the next one because it, it was number five is Halloween, which is the highest ranking non-filler episode, which I'm going to not count School Hard. A major character was introduced. It's not a filler episode. Uh, but yeah, uh, Halloween, as I mentioned, was just so fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and for being a filler episode where nothing happened, the pl- plot didn't advance at all. It was just a little throwaway episode. And the fact that... Really? Uh, and we meet Ethan Rain for the first time, whom I love. And it, it's such a great concept that we do it twice more throughout the series. We have two more dedicated Halloween episodes. So I think that justified justifiably lands at number five for me. Uh, Sasha, what about your best? Now, I know you're ranking all the episodes that we've seen so far. So what is your top five right now? Including season one, my top episode overall is Prophecy Girl from the first season. Okay. That's strong. Yeah. Um, and then I have When She Was Bad. <laughs> Number two. <laughs> Number two. Damn. Overall. Damn. Overcoming. good, like, little punches. I mean, one, two, yeah. punch. I, mean. I don't know. I, I mean, I know you guys don't really like When She Was Bad, but I just think it's really powerful, like, the idea of dealing with your own mortality. Mm-hmm. And I didn't mention this earlier, but that scene when she's dancing, the bronze. What's it? Don't you think I would? Don't you wish I would? Yeah, uh, with Xander is like iconic to me, like the music and mm-hmm. what she's wearing and how yeah she's like and the cheap auto never, performance. Yeah, I never yeah. thank you for saving my life, and he was like, no, I guess not. And she was like, don't you wish I would? Mm-hmm. And then she just walks away, and I was just like, holy crap! <laughs> yeah, I think if we went back and listened to that episode, mm-hmm. you did a really good job of convincing. I argued hard. For you it. did, yeah. and you had good arguments in that the main one is that you forget. Because you want to, in season six, when she comes back from the dead in a more traditional way, mm-hmm. and it's very front and center for all season, Yeah, we remember that more than we remember what it's like to essentially come back from the dead mm-hmm. for season two. You know, when she just comes back and it all feels kind of hokey, yeah. you're almost upset that it wasn't as taken as seriously as it was for season six. And that's what I was thinking the whole time. I was like, I mean, but you made a great case that like you really have to keep it in perspective. Yeah, what's well, it would be really life changing, especially. It's not even just that she died for a second; it's that she went into it knowing she was gonna die. Like, I think that would mm-hmm. change you. And then to have her have essentially no professional help or anything, no support, no one who even understands what happened. You know, she's gone all summer. She's not with her friends. Not even that her friends would understand. And then to come back and them to be like. Everything's cool, but she's facing the same kind of danger to know that you'd have to do that again, that that's how it ends for you. Like, there's no other ending. I think that would be really hard. And to see Buffy actually, she's such a controlled person, which Faith makes fun of later, right? Um, To see her actually just do what she wants to do and, like, fuck the consequences. She doesn't care that she's hurting Xander's feelings. She doesn't care that she's hurting Angel's feelings. She's just, like, reacting. I don't know. It's nice to see another side of her. So I've always really liked that episode. That's a good point about her, like, accepting the fact that she's going to die and doing it anyway, which I know we talked about in Prophecy Girl. But in season six, she says, I was done. 
I was yeah. done. I wasn't supposed to come back. I was done. So I I'm wonder if that, I mean, she's younger, so maybe she wouldn't have that kind of wisdom of, of the gravity of her choices as she does when she's, you know, yeah. 20. I don't... <laughs> Wasn't it different, too? I mean, the gift, yeah. it's like the sacrifice of that moment. Obviously, it's written way later, and they've thought about this more than they did at the time, but, like, isn't her gift the gift? Death is your gift. More, it's but it's more impactful then. Yeah. I mean, they did not yeah. make it clear that, like, she's giving up something for something else. Like, her going to face the master to die. I mean, yeah, sure, you're killing the master or yeah. whatever, but it wasn't, like... Because there was the whole tied into, I'm saving my sister, but I don't have to die. Yeah. Like, in Yeah, Prophecy she didn't go Girl, to fight Glory to die. No, and she didn't have to. She just, she made that choice to save her sister because yeah. she loved her sister. And doing that, you know, that her sister technically isn't real. Versus Prophecy Girl, where she goes into it knowing there's no other ending. Mm-hmm. This is the only one. She's not even sacrificing herself. And I think the reason why when she was bad still resonates with me is because she had that speech with Giles. Like, I'm 16. I don't want to die. Like, nothing's changed. Yeah. She's still living that. I'm 16 and I don't want to die. And I don't know how to handle this now. Because it is real, and this is how it ends. You know, when you see Kendra at the end of the season die, and she's not really any older than Buffy, and, like, that's just her future. And how do you reconcile that, you know? Like, I want to be shopping for clothes. I want to be studying. I want to not be worrying about this. Like, you're my mom. You're 40 or whatever, and this isn't something that you're even worried about. Like, it's a hard thing to deal with. And then for them to just be like, well, everything's fine because you came back and blah, blah, blah. Like, of course she's going to have a lot to deal with and we kind of shove it into that episode instead of doing the whole season long arc which I understand why this time but I don't know so I've always liked when she was bad I understand more great points yeah yeah Yeah, it was 11 so better than middle yeah I I just always thought it was a first draft I I just see it as like they maybe didn't know they were gonna get a season two and like they left it really great what they did for season one and then I'm glad they even addressed it. I yeah. almost feel like another show wouldn't have even addressed what happened before. It would before have been really easy to just move on. Right. And so they did the best Which they, they do. could. You know, yeah. they do, of course. And that's yeah. the whole season two, just like, fuck it, let's go move on. <laughs> but then they realize, I think, in, in time where it's like, you killing somebody like that is like, you got to have five years behind you to really build on something so emotional that you cannot do. You cannot force that kind of stuff. Like rewatching shows like Mad Men and stuff, you realize things that happened in season five, six, seven. They're little tiny moments that resonate only because you know them. Yeah. You know them for so long. That's why later we're going to talk about what we want to change. You almost can't change anything because the fact that Spike showed up and sat in a wheelchair for most of the season, it doesn't matter because we got FaceTime with the guy. True. We got to know the guy. Even if we hate everything that happened this season with him, when he shows up again, we know who he is. And yeah. we know just little tiny bits throughout a whole season condensed into who he is and what his motivations are and you can't put a price on that kind of stuff because you can't yada yada that away and make yeah. people care so I found that to be yeah inspiring later on but they did a really great job I thought because I think most shows just wouldn't touch it true um, and then number three overall I had passion yes and then becoming part two and becoming part one mm-hmm. in that order for four and five nice. nice yeah so of your top five four season twoers in there yeah nice very cool. All right, Dana, what that makes are your, sense too. So what are your best for this season? So a little bit of a different tact here. So I I had my rankings for 2013. So I'm going to be looking at the best ones, i.e. the ones that have pluses from the season. So not necessarily the ones that I like the best. Because I agree with you guys. As I said before, Passion uh, was my number one. Becoming was my number two. Halloween was also a great one. Innocence was up there. Mm-hmm. And 
bother people to be wildered, unfortunately. <laughs> was also up there. But I'm looking at the ones that got huge bumps. Like a from my massive increase from 20. Massive increases. And so I'm just going to go, I'm going to leave a couple of them or plus ones, plus twos. Doesn't really matter. Uh, those are the bad ones. Some assembly required. Inca Mummy Girl, Ted. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's the difference between 132 and 131? You know, nothing. <laughs> so what are the big changes? The big changes for me were becoming. It went up 18 points from 38 up to number 20. Thanks, Stacia. Wow. It would, yeah, I think so. I, I wouldn't have that much closer I argue than that. for the episodes I like. Uh, and then a weird one, two two weird ones actually. Lie to Me was up 20 points uh, from 109 to 89. Not a huge, I mean, we're middling episodes, but it certainly made more of an impact this time around. Go Fish uh, was up 24 points. Oh my God. From 130 to 72. Okay. Okay. But 72, what was I yeah. thinking? Christ. Uh, and then the second biggest leap, uh, 26 points, was when she was bad. I had it at 110 before. Damn. Up to 84. So again, middling. And let's not forget right there, I put Go Fish ahead of it this season. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, that's Which I awful. regret that now that we're talking about it. <laughs> I actually had a real like connection again with that, yeah. talking about it, and I feel terrible. <laughs> a school Hard yep. was the number one uh, biggest growth. Uh, 34 points, which I regret. So I had it at 108. I put it at 74. It should be back at 108. Yeah. It is a, it's not a good episode. In 2013, me knew that. <laughs> that was a huge bummer. Also for Go Fish, you were right, my friend. 130 <laughs> is where the ship belongs. <laughs> huge disappointment. All right, well, since we're riding the train anyway, what about the worst episodes of the season? Easy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Bad Eggs, number 22 of 22. Um, Yikes. That's your worst episode? Yeah. It's... I pushed hard for that one. I you did. I rank it higher you than talk you about would bad have eggs anyways. All the time. Yeah. I love Bad <laughs> Eggs. I don't know. I, I, I do like Lyle and Tector Gorge. I like that Lyle shows up again um, oh, God, for Homecoming. talking about But uh, it's just... Just stop talking about that. Not good. And then Ted, of course, close second mm-hmm. to 21 of 22. Um, I think we're sharing all of these. John John Ritter can't save that episode. No. Uh, it makes my skin crawl. It's just no good. I think you might want to rest for a while. I think you might want to stop telling me what to do. I don't take orders from women. I'm not wired that way. No. Ted, no. John Ritter is great. That episode makes my skin crawl. There's no redeeming quality to it. Killed by death, awful. No. Unequivocally terrible. Stasia, awful. <laughs> Bewitch, bother, bewilder. Yes. Also awful. Not good. Fantastic. That's where we celebrate Xander not raping. No. Not here for it. Go fish. For reasons we've already talked about, obviously. The costumes are great, but there's really not a whole lot else going on there. And some assembly required. Because it's just a nothing episode with psycho boys that are sewing girls together. So cool times also the prosthetic i think i pointed out at the time was like popping off the guy's arm it was just careless i'm gonna start with least worst to most worst the okay. you did okay so worst, like worst to least so like 29 worst. to 34 instead of 34 to 30 yeah. to 34 yeah, 30, yeah right that's how math works counting yes I can do it. so my least worst of the worst episodes for both seasons overall by the way this is interesting my most of my top five are season two most of my bottom five are also season two the first one is ted um i don't think it's necessarily a terrible episode i don't like it it makes my skin crawl but in like a good way you know what i mean it's like, like a horror thing supposed to do i guess right yeah it's, just, it's frustrating and i have a visceral reaction to him but i think that's a good thing because you should be feeling that way like i think that makes him a good villain in that sense but i don't know 
I still don't love that episode. Next, go fish. Awful. Some assembly required. Still awful. <laughs> Number second most worst of the show so far for me is the pack from season one. Oh, nice. Oh, I thought the pack was last. I don't know. What's last? No, no. You know what's last. Oh. Be much bothered, be bothered. <laughs> both Xander-centric episodes. The worst overall. I hate them both. I hate nice. them both. Nice. Terrible. I wavered on that. I could not decide if I wanted the pack to be worst or second yeah. worst. I, mean, but I, I feel like up, they're the same. You can just tie for them. Well, I ended up deciding that the difference was Xander was possessed by a hyena, so oh. it's technically slightly less his fault for being a garbage mm. person Fair than thing. in Bewitched, Bothered, Bewildered when he was never influenced by anything, so I ended up putting it worse. That's fair. That's fair. So for you, it's going to be the biggest negative the jump, The biggest right? negative jumps, yeah. yeah. So my, my worst are exactly like yours. My only one that I picked correctly from my 2013 rankings was Killed by Death as the worst episode of Buffy. <laughs> Easy pick, 137, just the, the picks. <laughs> Bad Eggs, Some Assembly, in this order. Bad Eggs was second worst, Some Assembly, Reptile Boy. I actually had Some Assembly, Reptile Boy, and Ted all at 132. Oh, whoops. Because I... I'm bad at this so I changed them all some assembly is the worst of the bunch reptile boy at 131 Ted is at 129 and if I could go back in time sort of the opposite of what I did before I would take a, a one that I put as the worst I only have eyes for you oh, and yeah. I would have retroactively made that one of the top I yeah. probably put it in the 30s and 40s at this point uh, but I put it at 72 which I regret isn't because that it's like, better than School Hard, and that's yeah, not that's true. true. Isn't that like right around where you ranked Go Fish? What were you doing with Go Fish that it ended up so high? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember that. I don't know why. I, I think, honestly, it was probably the, the internal dynamics of the friends. Like, I mm. think that the Xander Cordelia stuff was f- just fun. Yeah. I think I was just seduced by we're getting so close to the end. I, I don't know why. I don't know why. Because I had it at 130, and then I put it at 84, which is fucking this season. 84. Terrible. What the heck? So these are my ones that dropped the most. Um, Bother Bewitch Bewildered was my lowest fall, uh, if you will. Uh, not counting the ones that are only two and like six points or whatever. Uh, it dropped 19 points. Huh. It was number 10. God damn. now it's number 29. So, we were giving him a hard time for him ranking yeah. it so high and it's like... <laughs> it was Actually. a lot high. That was a top ten. <laughs> and it's not saying nothing about Xander. I just really enjoy the dynamics of this of the episode. I think I still think it's incredibly well done in a in a season with just a lot of really bad storytelling and a lot of bad ideas. At least there was some inspiration. Even if Xander is a terrible person, yeah. it's at least fun to watch in some way. Uh, another the next biggest drop, twenty one points, phases. I put it at number oh, forty sure. and it dropped to sixty one, which is still respectable. But, it's a goofy uh, episode. It's a goofy episode. And I, I'm glad. I'm glad for that change. Another sad change was Halloween. It went down oh. 22 points. It was oh, at number whoa. 16, and it wow. dropped down to 38. So still really good, but 16. Wow, yeah. I really really like that. What's my line? Part one and two dropped 25 points from 59 all the way down to 84. So that's a deep one. I only have eyes oh. for you. 27 points. I had it at 45, and I put it at 74. So ah, damn man, it's a bummer. And then the biggest drop which I think is, is kind of deserving, was Surprise. 66 mm. points. Whoa! I had it at number 58, and it's at 124. Damn! I mean, Innocence is the show. That's right, the one right, we right. want. Surprise for me. I think the two just conjoined, and I don't think they're conjoined at all. I don't think Surprise is good. And I, I remember that episode specifically, and it sucks. So Wow. 
So those are my big ones. So surprise is definitely out of all the ones we've done so far, that's, the biggest difference. Between... That's the one with her birthday party, right? Yeah, that's when the the judge is like birthed. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And then innocence. And they have is sex after. at the very end. Yes. Yeah, innocence is after when you realize what's happening. And I okay. think you can get behind the very end with those two can really color what happened before, which is a lot of nonsense, nothing yeah. filler episode. But that ending was really great. Yeah. But the ending, I almost tack on to innocence because it's like the. I mean, yeah, it's a scene right before. That. Exactly. Yeah. So. Well, this is a perfect segue into how we wish the season would have been different. We've already talked about best and worst moments of the whole thing, best and worst episodes. Obviously, we have some unfulfilled wishes mm-hmm. for this season. So I want to talk a little bit about what we would have liked to change, what we like to see. Stacia, what what do you wish would have been different? What, like, handled differently? How do you think, like, storylines that you wish were completely nixed or, or changed? Um, one thing that I talked about when we talked about the episode wasn't lied to me. I wish that that had been a multi-episode arc yeah. instead of just crammed into the one episode. I think it would have done a lot of what Joss Whedon said he had wanted to do with that character from the first episode in the first season. <laughs> Bless you. You think maybe this is just a new cast member that's being introduced, um, and you don't even necessarily know who's a bad guy. I think it would have been a lot better than trying to jam it into one episode because you'd get a point where you'd like, I like this guy before you realize. For sure, he would have been a, a way more interesting and compelling villain than a lot of them in this season. If it, he had given given him a little mini arc, especially, it could have been a lot of potential. It's because it's a human story. It's well, a, I think it also would have fit well with Spike. I mean, Spike is kind of a brand new character at that point, and you kind of have the two, like, teaming up, and you know Spike right. is going to, mm-hmm. like, fuck with him, and yeah. is going to turn on him. You Like, you know that, just inherently. Mm-hmm. But to have Spike be able to, like, just bring him along, uh, and to have him, like, want to go along with it, thinking that he was in control, and knowing the whole time that he's not, I think that would work really well, too. Because mm-hmm. then we know Spike is kind of a piece of shit even harder than we already know. Yeah, I think we did talk about that at the time. Like, this was a missed opportunity, because he sure. was really great. It was a cool character, and he came out of nowhere, and for him to just go as quickly as he came, it's just unfortunate. I'd suggest a box of Oreos dunked in apple juice, but maybe she's over that phase. Especially since we had, like, clunker episodes like Go Fish. That we yeah, unnecessary. Absolutely. Done this arc instead of having those filler episodes. Uh, they seem to so beholden to the Monster of the Week procedural idea that mm-hmm. I feel like they just... I mean, that was my biggest gripe with almost all of the, the problems for the season that I saw that I would like to change is that why why do we waste the time? Why do we waste the, the time on things that with a need lot to of shows like that though? Like Bones started out very episodic and then you get these bigger season arcs and Supernatural was the same way and the X-Files was the same way. I think when you start and you're just like, we're going to have a superhero, so they're going to have bad guys. But then after right. a season or two, you're like, we can't just keep doing this without the characters changing. So then you start building in these bigger arcs that, you know, well, if you, you go back the to your thing, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but if you go back to your intro where you intro the whole season, you talked on nothing but the episodes we all agreed on. If you were to do a Netflix show of this, would have been the big beats. Right. You never, you didn't talk about any of the tiny little episodes because they were inconsequential to the overall arc of Angel turning bad and becoming the bad guy and Spike showing up. Like, mm-hmm. we don't talk about any of our favorite shows. They weren't really part of it. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I know that TV is sort of. We're like in the TV age and episodes have gotten so good and everything. And for a lot of TV, I agree with that. But I think there's something nice about having a show with 22 episodes that you have time to do these like weird little mm-hmm. tangents and oh, deviations yeah. versus something like a super tight season that's only got like eight episodes. You know, all eight are going to be amazing. But I don't know. It's nice to have those 
like fun bottle episodes. Yeah, and I think it works well now when you can just sit down and like, especially binge it. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, as a TV watcher today, going back in time, uh, it would be it would be so hard to keep up with the schedule. I don't think I ever would because they take months off at a time between episodes mm-hmm. and like, and then to get go fish as like I waited a month. Right. Oh. Oh no! And there's yeah. another month in between. Like it's just a different world. You right. know, we're twenty years removed. I can accept Go Fish as a thing. I read this really great article by this woman who was talking about how Buffy was like her lifeline going through high school, and uh, she ended up coming out as gay. But the whole Willow storyline was a big deal for her. But um, yeah, she would for all record it so she could rewatch the episodes later. But for whatever reason, yeah. her like VCR didn't work. And so she missed an episode and she's freaking out about it. And she's like, how am I going to see it before next week? And there was this girl that she liked at school who was like, oh my God, I love Buffy too. I have it. I'll give it to you. Oh and it was like this big drama thing and that lasted like made. throughout the whole week. And she ended up watching it and she was like, the episode was bad eggs. <laughs> <laughs> she Amazing. was like, of all the episodes, Amazing. it was like the worst episode of the season. Could have skipped it. I haven't even read it. it. Wouldn't have mattered. I can just imagine this is like a 20,000 word essay about like love being yeah. a teenager. No, and then at the end like it's just the like, the episode line. was bad. Look, yep. <laughs> it was literally like this whole beautiful Insane. story about how much Buffy meant to her and how she was like trying to figure out high school and her crushes and everything and like making f- friends through Buffy. And in the end, she was just like, and so it was bad eggs. So. <laughs> I called it bad fish by accident. <laughs> it's like the worst Same. of both worlds. Oh, God. <laughs> um, any other big episodes or story arcs in the season that you wish would have been handled differently? I wish that of all the episodes, Go Fish hadn't happened. Mm-hmm. It just feels so irrelevant to literally everything it else. Is, especially even. right before the very fucking yeah, end. Yeah, and, and yeah, and I think that's part of what it is. Like they could have used that episode to somehow increase what's going to happen with Angel, than to just sort of because doesn't that come like right after? Um, I only have I only have eyes for you. And so you have this, like, intense moment with Buffy and Angel, and it's like, I don't know, I want to kind of process that in the next episode, and what does that mean, and instead we can forget it completely. I think it's actually, I only have eyes for you, killed by death, then go fish. Yeah, it's just like a bunch of... Way to end. Bunch of (laughs) bullshit, and then you immediately have to, like, ramp back up for the finale, and I don't know. Well, I think that was the point that we made earlier, which is still my definite, like, missed opportunity of the season is not only could you have used an episode enhancing Angel, who unfortunately kept showing up in episodes, but you could have done the same by not having Angel. Literally. I don't think I don't think Go Fish wins in any of those worlds because it doesn't win in this world, mm-hmm. so it's gone. But like, if you had just with, withheld Angel and used him as a weapon to really show at the end, it would have been great instead of just like showing up from time to time, like, hey, I'm still on the show. If he didn't bite that fish guy, we never would have known. I know, and so we're, and that's like, I, th- I think it's debatable still, like whether it was good or not. That's still just the way I feel. Like I just, this is from a storytelling angle. I just wish Angel was much more of like Jaws lurking in the the waters yeah. and not someone that was constantly in our face because we know we're leading up to this, and we it would be much better if like we didn't know he was gonna pop out and cut someone's fucking head off or something. You're seeing too much. If you had just seen these little glimpses of like, remember I'm here. You know, like, I'm always watching you. Like, those pictures, like, I'm around even if you can't see me. Like, that's a scary idea. But then to have, yeah, like, this banter or him being, I don't know. I do love the scene in the end of Bewitched, Builder, Bewildered, Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered, where Drusilla starts going after Xander. And is a poem. Oh, I can read it. Really? 
It doesn't say spare me by any chance. Angel is just like, what is happening? <laughs> it sort of just fades into the shadows. That is great. Yeah. But like, it's not scary. But no, but even that would have been yeah. fine too because he would have showed up and you would have been scared yeah. that he was there. And it's okay to have a humor. It's okay to be like that. But I felt the same way about Spike. Yeah. Spike's existence in the second half of the season, I wouldn't take it away because we need that, like I said earlier, for the whole arc of the show. But fuck, is he not boring? There's nothing happening except for this just bro off between him and Angel yeah. and it's like it gets really old and I and I think it does take away from how scary Angel could have been well Bother Be Witch Bewilder also gone. happened right before Passion so I feel like that's the turning point after he kills Jenny you don't get to fucking poke fun and have little jibes and stuff anymore Angel's a serious scary guy yeah so I, yeah I agree that it just made him a punchline I mean the, the, the final one and this might be yours or not but uh, the Judge and the Cothla again mm-hmm. I, if it was satire if it was if it was supposed to be funny then it could have worked really well. And that's why it, the angel stuff is weird too because like you can be funny and make him kind of a joke and that's okay, but you can have it both ways. You really can and the show does balance that pretty well. But Akathla and the Judge don't make any sense to me because they're the world enders and then they just go out like with nothing. And, and I was thinking yeah. the whole time if Akathla came to life as a stone giant or whatever and then like stepped on a thumbtack and then crumbled and everyone's <laughs> staring... <laughs> That's funny. That's yeah. funny, and that works out really well. But yes. they don't really go into that. We wasn't the, the joke during while we were talking about it, was like someone push him someone over. Push him yeah. over. <laughs> and, and and I would also say this too, honestly. Another episode that I truly love, and if it didn't exist in this world, I don't think I would think like this. But an episode like the Zeppo does exactly what the satire that mm-hmm. I thought they were going to do at points. Um, when the Zeppo exists, you're like all of these bad guys are semi-jokes. Right. So now we can start to think about it like that. And I don't know if maybe they thought the same way, like, man, the Judge and Akathla, those are really great ideas that we really pissed away. But maybe that's a okay thing. Maybe this is kind of a, a bit of a joke. Yeah. And we can, like, delve into that because everyone is a world ender. Everything is the end of the world. Well, I think season three, they, the, I'm glad you brought that up. They do start taking themselves a little less seriously mm-hmm. and they do have a little more perspective because you're right, Akathla and the Judge... We're wasted. And the Order of Taraka I'll throw in there, too. Yeah. Because they're supposed to be unstoppable. Even Igon. Yeah. 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 Uh, and they just, yeah, they, they throw them away like no big deal. If they were making a joke about it, it would have felt a lot different. Mm-hmm. It would have felt better. It would have made more sense. It would make sense also with the arc of the show. It would probably be very weird in the moment. Uh, because out of nowhere. Out yeah. of nowhere. But after I, the Zeppo, just like you were talking before with Passion, it sets a tone that, like, you can't go back from that. Passion now is, has created Angelus the monster. You right. can't have him just casually broing out with Xander right. about Buffy. You can't do that anymore. But you do, unfortunately. And once the Zeppo is out, it's like, okay, world ending now. We're going to, like, dial that back. And the things that become serious, like Lori, become, like, a real all-season, like, thorn in the side, not four episodes like the Master was. Well, you know, and I think like, you have Checkpoint, oh, which is such a great episode in season five. You have Quentin Travers kind of laying that out. Like, she's a god. Like, this isn't... We're playing jokes. This isn't the giant snake. This is the Zeppo. Exactly. This is real shit and you're going to probably die. Everyone's going to die. Yeah. And when she does, then shit's real. Yeah. I love this. This is so good. (laughs) Part of the problem with doing a bad guy of the week is like every bad guy needs to be a little bit badder or what are we doing? And so I think that's why you end up getting these. The one in the world situation because how how else do you get badder than like the end of the world it's like you know like the comic book movies you get where they're destroying the cities and well how many times can new york be put back together like it's just 
I don't know. There's a point where you can't go any further. Then you move on to the galaxy and then the universe. Yeah. And it's just like, what the fuck? And you get, and you get those stupid little stones and creepy <laughs> dudes sitting on chairs out in Purple space. Jazz Sweden. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> like, I don't know. We've jumped the shark at some point. <laughs> which is why Star Wars, when we went back to the tiny store, was like a breath of fresh air but so i think that's kind of what the season is suffering with where they're like how do we make this scarier and worse we've already done a lot of the classic bad guys we need to go bigger but then you can't because if you overpower them so much you either get no fight because buffy can't fight them there's no point she can't win or they can't be unstoppable because she has to have a way to win right. which kind of makes it sound like well they weren't going to end the world then were they? And, and to do it three times in a season with the order yeah. of taraka they're supposed to keep hunting you until they fucking kill oh, you yeah, right. uh funny. the judge can't be killed by anything i again yeah. rocket launcher i love it i love it to pieces i wish it would have yeah. been handled differently i wish it would have been an actual bad guy if we were going to do it yeah. uh and then to akapa like yeah to do it three times in one season yeah. no no they're going to destroy the world no, or i guess for the order real of taraka. this time yeah. <laughs> Uh, so for me, yeah. and I might eat these words even by the end of, of our discussion here, um, I th- wish that we would have gone deeper into Giles' dark side. We kind of just touched on that. We don't really explore that a lot. Mm-hmm. And everybody wants it so bad that he almost did a miniseries about it. There's a, It's rife with um, just great stories that could be told. And we never, ever really get into it. Not in this season, not in any season. Um, Kendra, I wish we were going to make her a character. If you're going to fucking bring her on the show, that make her fun. a character. And the fact that we let Faith be that person in the next season, but we didn't let her be that. I mean, you made her a joke when you brought her on the screen. Buffy yeah. makes fun of her. Everyone makes fun of her. She's not supposed to be part of the group. Uh, I mean, that's why it feels racist. It feels bad. With Kendra, they're introducing this person who follows the rules, who didn't have parents. Like, she's just lived and breathed this since they knew she had the potential to become a slayer. And... So, therefore, she should be better. Like, she should be, you know, like, showing Buffy how to do things. Oh, yeah. She should be but, kicking her ass. But the problem is, the whole premise of the show is the reason why Buffy is a better slayer than anyone else is she has Emotions people around friends, her to yeah. help her. And that she has the creativity to problem solve that Kendra doesn't have just from reading books. And so, ultimately, Kendra has to be, like, this failure of a slayer, which is, I think, why we end up getting Faith, who's the exact opposite of Kendra, and who lasts a lot longer, is because, in some ways, she's got a lot of the same elements of Buffy. She's just a lot... Very, like, emotional and darker. Well, and creative. Like, she's not restrained by rules. She doesn't care what anyone else is thinking. She's reacting on emotion, which is what Buffy does, and... And tragic backstory. And tragic backstory. But the problem is, like, it's not reined into something... Or I guess the problem is she is reined into something. It's the mayor and not, mm-hmm. you know, Giles oh, or mayor. something. Yeah, yeah, like she just <laughs> desperately needed something, <laughs> some sort of compass. But anyways, I think that's why Kendra gets killed off so early is because you can't really take her anywhere. Because if she can't be better than Buffy, then she's deal with her. You yeah, just never mention her again. She's just out there. Yeah, because if she's supposed. To you know, oh. following all the rules and doing everything right, she should be doing better than Buffy. Or you bring her onto the cast and change her as a person, make her grow. They're, they're content yeah. with it just being an idea at this point. Right. I, I, this is all about yeah. ideas. Season she was, two was just draft. a bunch of they ideas. They were just happy they had another Slayer. Oh, she died. Yeah. What a great idea. Oh, another Slayer. Great idea. <laughs> so many great ideas are born. Right. And we really execute a lot of them going forward. Yeah, honestly, um, I, I put the length of the season as well, but we will get into that when we talk about at the end of this episode, um, if that would be better or worse. 
because I do agree with you that you need levity, you need episodes that don't matter. Mm-hmm. Because some of those are some of my favorites. I mean, Something Blue is one of my favorite episodes. So is Triangle. Like a lot of these episodes that have no impact on the plot overall, or even our characters, uh, are, are can be really fun. But I think mm-hmm. they find a way to do it in the later seasons that doesn't feel painful and doesn't feel like you're just waiting to get to the next one. It doesn't feel like a filler episode because it's enjoyable to watch. Hi, for those of you who have just tuned in, everyone here is a crazy person. So our characters went through a lot this season. Um, Buffy, I would feel like the most for sure. So let's talk about where we started and where we ended up. Stacia gave us a brilliant overview of when she was bad, where Buffy started that her headspacer was being traumatized by the death of the master or her killing of the master. And I guess more appropriately, the master killing her. Um, so what do we think Buffy's arc was for this season? Dan, you want to go first? I don't know if I'm equipped to do it. <laughs> Why's that? Uh, well, I mean, the the question you posed to me was, did these characters grow? And I said, yes, obs. For all of them. For oh. Buffy. I hope that's what you wrote for all of them. No, no, because some, <laughs> some did not grow. Buffy, Buffy did. I mean, I think you guys... I think we've put the case throughout all these episodes that we've done yeah. pretty eloquently as to what Buffy has gone through and, and what she's doing. So I think Buffy's the easiest one. Yeah. I, I think to argue against her from being an MVP of the season, you've got to do a lot of work. Well, I think that, that she definitely becomes more serious and more like solemn. Not that she's not still... You know, has fun moments. There's a lot of levity, but I think she takes it more seriously. I think Kendra coming in the show, if nothing else, left a big impression on her because when she shows up, she's like, "I can leave. I can be out. I I don't have to do this anymore. I can have a life." And she chooses being the Slayer instead of it being a, a destiny foisted upon her. Instead of it being something she's been fighting against, doing it because she has an obligation, not because of desire. I think that that was a huge growth moment for her. It was like. Yeah. I want to do this. I'm supposed to do this. It feels right to do this. I think that was a huge point for her. Uh, kind of a negative change, I would say. She got a little dumber. And I don't mean like her intelligence was less. But I we pointed out a lot in the first season that she was like research. Solving yeah. all this stuff. Yeah, so I'm like, what about sonar? And like all this kind of stuff, you know? And she's just like, what books I don't read yeah. <laughs> in this season? Oh, are you fucking kidding We me? can't wrestle in here. Get out. When you're supposed to be on drugs. Okay, you're okay, Jimboy. And I also think that she's a little more independent. Um, she's more willing to make the choices in the moment. Uh, instead of maybe checking with Giles, checking with her friends, she's like, shit, I gotta do this. And, and she does, and I think that sets her on a, a path, too. But, I mean, by season six, she, Xander and her having the conversation at the end of season six where she's like, what I do with my personal life is none of your business. Um, so I think that this is the very beginning of that, like, we're going to grow apart eventually. But we don't really see the fruition of that. Like, it, it won't ever feel that way, but I just, like, saw a shade of that here. We're like, I'm going to kill Angel and I'm going to fucking leave the city. I'm just going to go because that's what I need to do. Okay, what about Willow? Oh, wait, do you, do you have ideas about Buffy's growth? See, <laughs> 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 so I think it's really hard because we've said it all a thousand times. Like, yeah. We, yeah. That one's so clear. So I say, I, I personally say, move on. Or what about Willow? Where did Willow start in? I say she started still very much softer side of steers. Uh, <laughs> geeky Willow. Like, still in her shell quite a bit. Um, well, has got a boyfriend. Uh, Xander. Right. Because mm-hmm. you see that almost kiss at the very beginning. Yeah, that's how we started off. She even stands up to, to Giles uh, and Angel. And 
Her in the hospital bed doing mm-hmm. the spell. Her becoming yeah. a witch like Smears that. face. There's yeah. less HIPAA incidents and more <laughs> witch incidents. Yeah. Which is fine because yeah. there's yeah. nothing controlling that. Except the seat of magic, which... Oh, God. We even see more. that little moment at the end of Halloween where she doesn't put the ghost costume back mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Giles. I think that he loosens up quite a bit. He actually uh, lets the, the rest of the Scoobies into his life a little bit out of necessity with the Mark of Igon stuff. But even after Jenny's death, he's mourning and he needs help. I mean, he like collapses in Buffy's arms at the end mm-hmm. of the episode. So I thought the Mark of Igon, as we've said before, was really great. Introduces a dark side of Giles, more yeah. to Giles than we knew about. So I thought that was great. And that was a lot of growth because we want him to be more of a character and to care about him more. Yeah, and it's a good way to do it. Got a lot of depth out of him. Cordelia, I think, even has a little bit of growth. I mean, she's still going to be Cordelia. She's still going to be kind of mean. But uh, she's she's got a heart of gold. And I think she is more helpful in this season than she was in the last season, for sure. Way different than last season. She's a team player. She's a total team player. Yeah, more so than before. Yeah. And and they let her into, like, what's going on. Unlike before, where Mm -hmm. she would only help when she was shielded from whatever was happening. They wouldn't tell her. if it directly affected her. And a lot of it did, and... Mm-hmm. We could do a whole episode on why Cordelia should be more fucked up than she is. She's, <laughs> right. She went through a lot of the brunt of like the yeah. bullshit that they never told her about. Season two is probably her better better time for her. She well, I mean, even some assembly much. required. She was kidnapped and almost murdered. Exactly, which is worse than uh, you can say for any Reptile of the others. Kidnapped and almost murdered. Well, in the, in the first scene or in the first uh, season with now you see me, now you don't, or whatever. Out of sight, out of mind. Out of sight, out of mind. When she gets kidnapped and disfigured. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a hard time. Cordelia has. And then Xander, I put no, nothing. nothing so I put Xander and Cordelia together because at the end of the day, they were both having fun, and they were both playing psychosexual games with one another. <laughs> uh, but no, I I said for both of them, no real growth. I mean, I think yeah. Cordelia just got a better script. There wasn't anything <laughs> like. In the way that we see, like, her family's falling apart and she doesn't... Like, those are things, like, real... At least plot points that make sense. But there's nothing to indicate why, except for Xander, which I don't think two, you know, bozos really equal, like, oh, they become one better bozo. Like, no, there's both bozos. Well, even in next season, it's because Xander's not around that she changes a lot. Yeah, and as long as you write, like, something to it. And Xander, you know, for what it's worth, he'll always have his reasons because the show goes out of its way to explain the reasons because he is considered a main character so you could make a case for him no growth growth or well he's supposed to be the anchor the whole point of him almost is that he doesn't change because right. he's the human and that's so why i would say change. no growth and that's the point and that's what the devil makes incredibly clear yes what about our relationships everybody this season was coupled up mm-hmm. everybody um i i went ahead and ranked our relationships so did I. power rankings baby the factors i was considering were how adorable they are how tedious is it? Uh, how healthy their relationship is? And is it something I want to continue to see on the screen? I would say the worst relationship based on that criteria is Buffy and Angel. Uh, because every time they were on the screen, we were like, why, why? He's a pedophile. Why is this happening? Uh, and then he turns into a monster and tries to kill her friends. That's not great. Um, not a good look. Xander and Cordelia, they're constantly bickering and they're not very nice. They just jab at one another. They basically just hate Psycho, each other enough <laughs> to be together yeah, yeah. for some reason. Drusilla and Spike, I think, love each other a lot. They're just little fucking weirdos, and they they love each other as much as they can, considering they don't have souls. But mm-hmm. then Drusilla's still like, I kind of want to fuck Angel, and Spike's like, I don't know about that. Yeah. Uh, Jenny and Giles. 
we have a huge rough patch. In fact, the season is majority rough patch. We go from the Dark Age to basically passion, right when we're about to reconcile, and then she dies. So mm-hmm. it's a, more of a what could have been with Jenny and Giles, although every time they're on the screen together, it's adorable. And mm-hmm. I mean, she calls him a sexy fuddy-duddy, and how do you get over that, honestly? No. And the whole, you don't know where I dangle it from? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Iconic. Oh, amazing. <laughs> and that, you know, Willow and Oz, number one. Number one. Because how can it not be? You pretty much got in 100%. Oh, yeah? Number one, Willow and Oz. Number nice. two, Jenny and Giles, number three. I put the Slayerettes as a, as a whole collective. Oh, friendship. friendship. All of them. Friendship was great. They had a little, they had a great time. Number four was Spike and Drusilla, because they were great. Uh, and then we we cut. That's pretty much it. From here on down, it's bad. Sandra and Cordelia? Yep. That's right. That's right. They're there. They're ahead of Angel and Buffy. Angelus and Buffy, I feel like muddies the water a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because they were more interesting as a couple, mm-hmm. as a dynamic. Because that was more of a uh, Cordelia-Xander psychosexual dynamic. Right. Which is always fun. But Buffy and Angel is the worst. Then I put Buffy and Ford. Oh, I guess okay. Because underneath <laughs> that is Buffy and Joyce. <laughs> and the worst relationship is definitely Tom and Richard from Reptile Boy. Oh, God. I think you guys are forgetting a very iconic key relationship. Mm. Kendra and Mr. Pointy. Nice. Oh. Definitely <laughs> number three. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. They were close. They were close. Well, not that close. She was like, she didn't give him away. Yeah. And then she died. So. But maybe that's like part of it. Fatal like, give away my wand, you know? Maybe. It's like a swinger situation. Can't leave the discussion about season two without discussing who won the season. Who is the MVP most valuable? Slayer? Maybe? I'm going to vote for the MVP, and maybe you guys are with me. The person that smashed the master. That humbled Spike. <laughs> that ended a global conspiracy involving ritual magic. Who was deceived by and then watched the same friend die. Who survived the branding of the Mark of Igon. Who saw the effect of her death and the resurrection come to life. Who was taken into custody for the murder of her mother's boyfriend. Who resisted motherhood. Who got laid and then regretted it. Who mourned a <laughs> beloved teacher and got the flu and defeated death. Someone who ended a Sadie Hawkins curse that lasted no less than 40 years. Who slant, who swam with rapey fish people. And who cast Angelus, her love, her boyfriend, her honey, into hell before peacing out baggy overalls to Folkland <laughs> Buffy Summers MVP season two yeah I mean I 100% I had agree. no idea who you were talking about until you told me until the baggy overalls I assumed that. it was that girl with the weird name from the very first episode of the show like Blue or Arcadia I or something I thought you were going to argue for Giles so oh no uh, I, I really tried to pick someone who wasn't Buffy who would Buffy? be the next one who yeah. would be beyond Buffy who Drusilla. could have won this make a case this is the time I mean, I, mean, I didn't think too. about this as deeply as you did. Beautiful mm-hmm. speech. I loved Thank it. It's great. Really <laughs> people. Not great. Yeah, not great. <laughs> um, I mean, if you want to argue Drusilla, I think you could. She is the one. <laughs> Angel is obviously supposed to be the big bad of the season. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of ways, Drusilla is the one actually pulling the strings. She's telling Angel the things he needs to know to make it happen. Like, why sure. was he not initially cursed with his soul? Because Drusilla told him how to stop it. She is the one who was like... Look, Jenny Calendar, be ruining your shit right now. Yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. be real. She's the one who killed a Slayer. Angel didn't do that. Drusilla, much higher body count. I'm sorry. One Slayer, two zero Slayers, Angel. And um, she's just living her life. I think it makes sense later on, later seasons, because like the way that Spike and her like dip out, it almost doesn't matter. Like If we never saw them again, it, she would just be this weird blip on the radar. 
because you're right about all that stuff. That's why we never even have Angel in the conversation because he didn't really do much for himself. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know, Drusilla, it's like impossible. It's only like two moments. I, you know. Yeah, but if we were talking about like most valuable person as in they, they met their desires. For the villain I side? Yeah. Maybe, I guess. Yeah. Drusilla definitely the most valuable. But then she's also kind of along for the ride too. She didn't really have any clear motives per se of her own. It um, seemed like Spike's idea from the beginning. And then it was Angel's idea. Like, we want to make the world. And she's like, okay, cool. cool. <laughs> Let's do it. I'll help you. I don't know. I mean, the judge was her birthday present. True. But was that not Spike's idea? Yeah. I don't think so. I think that's what she wanted. And he was and like... And he got it for her. I'll get it for you. Okay. And she was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the world! <laughs> I, like, I like the world where she's the MVP. Yeah. But I don't fun. think the text... I think it. she is. I mean, come on. She's the only one who killed a slayer. She She did. She's just that's, like living her best life. I like that she just She didn't kill the slayer. She killed a slayer, not Buffy though. Well she's only she killed Buffy. She's she the got only the... one that killed a slayer, yeah. True. But out of two, two, that's not bad. Yeah, I think fifty percent slayer death rate. It's true. That's, true. that's better than Spike or Angel. So yeah. Well Spike's killed too. Why? Yeah, but not that we Not in this Fair. come on. Not yet. Keep it here. Not yet. Um it's it's I honestly don't know who else would be. Yeah, I, I can't really think. I mean, even like everybody has it, their moments, but nothing. That, it's, it's Buffy's fucking show. Like it's built around her. She should be the hero every time. But I mean, we'll definitely get to points where she's not. Yeah, I know, and that's what makes it interesting. But this is not the show so far. Yeah, she kills it every single episode. That's true. Okay. Mm, I think you could also argue Willow. I think Willow would probably be the one you could do the most. Because she she changes she the most. She re-insoles Angel. Absolutely. Yes, but... And with Oz and everything. I mean, there's a lot of growth just in, as we talked about right. before. And I think that's part of it, too. The season wouldn't have ended differently if she hadn't. It's the only reason why I don't give it to Willow, if that makes sense. Like, mm. whether or not he had his soul back, Buffy was going to kill him. It actually made it harder for Buffy in the end. I mean, yeah, but if, or if Xander hadn't been a little asshole... Hmm. Then maybe everything would have been different. True. I mean, we we could say that about every episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, season two in the books, the whole thing, the whole damn thing. But this is twenty years later. It was twenty eighteen and not nineteen ninety eight, and some shit is brewing. Um, there's been tax tax of uh, Buffy being rebooted for years. Um, Fran and Kaz Kazui own the majority of the character as Joss's create creation and he's helped write this season eight comic specifically but he's always had control season over 12. we're still going yeah still it's going still, um literally still going but they're they're the ones that own the a lot of the production rights and it's interesting i i never i think we live in an age now where tv everybody knows everybody everything about mm-hmm. a show like, showrunners are a part of the world too. right yeah you know if you like a show you know who's in charge of it like all the Vince way up Gilligan the food chain um, and I never really thought about it. I, I, you see that logo at the end of it, Sand Dollar Kazooie Productions. And uh, Fran Ru- Rubel Kazooie, actually, the show wouldn't exist without her. Um, she kind of, she's the one that produced even the movie. She's the one that financed uh, the 92 movie. And she only did one thing, basically, before that, which was 1988 Tokyo Pop. Um, and she married a Japanese guy who's also... The director and art, but like it's they have like no credits. They have I don't know if they're independently wealthy or what, but yeah. Um Katsuzuke uh Kazooie is Kaz Kazooie is, is her husband, but she's she's really who we have to thank for the show without her financing and her backing and her push and her drive. And it's so weird to think that like I've never considered her as a person. Uh but I know a couple of years ago 
there were rumblings that she was going to try to find somebody to, to reboot the series. She'd always been interested in it. And I guess if this is your fucking baby and you've never really mm-hmm. done anything before or since. Um, and again, I don't want to take away from This woman could have a huge, illustrious career. But the two seconds of research I did, <laughs> this is basically it. Um, I'm sure she was chomping at the bit to get it a, another one done. So the news as of right now, we're in August 2018, is that there's going the the, the series is actually going to be revived not in the way that we're gonna the latest news is it's not going to be a reboot in the sense of like spider-man constantly getting a new lead spider-man situation we're going to just stay in the universe but with a new brand new cast brand new stories and that's really the only way that you can do it at this point um monica wusu breen I'm not sure how you say her last name. Sorry. She's a producer and writer. She wrote on uh, Alias, Brothers and Sisters. She did an episode of Lost. Season of Fringe and uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is probably most, yeah, Lost. (laughs) Uh, Probably why she was first in Joss Whedon's mind to be like, if you're going to consult me, and he's going to be on the project too, for better or worse, um, to to see it through. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. makes me nervous if that's the real reason that she was picked. Um, she also does a show called Midnight Texas, which I think we should check out. I've never heard of it before. It was a fiction series. Um, it's basically Buffy. It's like all witches and vampires and stuff. It kind of reminds me of Winona Earp a little bit. It's like a small town. I don't know. I've never heard of it or looked into it, but it sounds very similar. So, I mean, that makes sense that she's familiar with that kind of... And Alias, too, is a weird thing. But but Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. gives me pause. I didn't watch a lot of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but it's very military-heavy. And every show that we've ever liked that's like a fantasy show, for some fucking reason turns in to a military show like Westworld most recently mm-hmm. ruined with with it's not it's like paramilitary private security groups we just have to do a season of that Orphan Black did it uh, oh my gosh Buffy does it obviously in season four yeah. uh, Winona Earp does it even a little bit there's like a private security group that they go like every mm-hmm. show so hopefully that's not what we're headed for but I want to talk a little bit about what we want to see and uh, things we might be hopeful and afraid of um, but those are the facts as we know it right now. Initially, people were really upset because they thought we were going to just redo the whole Buffy, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mm-hmm. recast Sarah Michelle Gellar, Xander, like recast everybody. And like, you cannot do that. There would be an uproar. The only way you get away with that shit is if you take the whole cast and you do it again. I think that's why Arrested Development's been successful because it's not a reboot, it's a continuation. But mm-hmm. I don't want to see that with this. I do want a whole, there's there's a lot of stories. No one would sign up for that today. There yeah. would be no Buffy the Vampire. No one's doing that. Right. Because so, there's no world that. So yeah, uh, Daniel, what what are your hopes, fears? I fear that it's going to be too self-referential to the source material. Why can't Joss Whedon and everybody get behind Texarkana or whatever the show she was doing? Yeah, Midnight Texas, yeah. Then that's the biggest bummer is that you're ripping off a name. I, I don't understand. I understand wanting to make a bunch of money, but it's not going to be as good. There's no way it can be as good. The second biggest problem that I have is what is continuity? Mm-hmm. Um, I loathe the world where we just pretend that season 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 honestly didn't happen. And they absolutely should be canon. Josh Whedon canon. Con- was consulting on all of that shit. He wrote season 8, basically. But they're going to do the Star Wars shit where they're just going to pretend like it doesn't. Fuck the extended and then, universe. And then, yeah, and then all of that time that fans invested into it is going to be for naught. Yeah. So I feel like that's about to happen and that's going to be an enormous bummer. Not not specifically for me, but just in general. I also feel like the second thing they're going to do is that it's not going to be set in L.A., it's going to be set in New in New York, and it's gonna be. Do you think New York? Yeah, because it won't be set in Iowa. Somewhere else in the world, that would be nice. Wouldn't that be cool if it was set in Tokyo? Other places exist. Will never. And then you got other lore, like you got Japanese monsters instead of like. Oh my god! Like kaiju, that would be fucking so cool. Yeah. Wouldn't that be fun? (laughs) Never gonna happen. 
Like, but if the they thing. did, wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, that'd be fucking great. I mean, again, it, it, I think the idea of doing it in the world of yeah. like the Vampire Slayer is I the mean, best. Setting it in LA would be hard and stupid because it's California. been destroyed. I mean, at least Sunny Day. I mean, well, yeah, because at least, I mean, at the very least, Angel has to be canon. You can't just pretend. And basically, Angel ends like the, the world Angel is over. ends, right? They send LA into hell. It comes back at the end of the comics, but are the comics for Angel canon? Because but I think, then, I mean, I think part of the problem is if you're going to say it's set in the same world, but we don't have any of the same characters, while the comics might be canon. One, it's hard because you can't expect everyone who saw the TV show to have read the comics because no. I have not. No. I love the TV show. I don't have no interest in reading the comics. And then two, if you aren't going to have the same characters, how do you show that it's canon unless you're making small references to it? But it's like one of those things where you can't be too self-referential or you're going to lose new people who don't know these yeah. things. How would you make a new Buffy, even if it's set in New York or if it's set in Iowa, that's not just a rehashing of all the monsters we already saw? Mm-hmm. Like, we go through so many monsters in seven seasons just on the TV show. How do you do that again? One, even if you're going to say the comics aren't canon, fuck you for following us this whole time, which I don't agree with. Fuck you. You can't take back Chosen. You cannot take back the last episode of the series. All the slayers are activated. Yeah. You can't take that back. So we're looking at thousands of girls that should be running around. So when we choose well, some girl in LA, fuck that. Yeah. Well, that's the Season thing. Eight. So, so you're you're already in trouble right there because that's a lot to deal with. Mm-hmm. And where do you go from that? If they want Why to tackle it? that, because that's that's. That seems like a lot to deal with, well, right? Like, cause you that's what season eight is. And you also negate season eight almost instantaneously when you just Because if you like, don't do immediately season eight. But there I is mean, a, I don't know if you would do that though. There is a moment of hope, even if we don't do season eight or whatever. You gotta think that was that was seven years after the fact. Was it seven or five when season eight came out? So cause it ended in two thousand three. There's an episode of Angel in season five mm-hmm. where Slayers show up, just led by Andrew, which is amazing. Um, and there's an episode where they go to Europe and they find fake Buffy, and like, so you could play with it. You could play with that interim before the they interrupt. Be- yeah, before you got season eight. Now we're talking. Where we're already established, we have headquarters. Xander's a fucking weird general. You know, like we see Xander become the general. You could well. I don't. The I don't want them in. I, I don't. I don't want them <laughs> in the show I mean. at all. So, reference them, they will reference it. Be like General Xander says. Unless they do... Okay, so that's my only thing is that they can either do that or what something Joss Whedon's has always wanted to do is explore the world of Frey. He fucking loved that comic. He loved writing it. And you eschew all that shit because it's 200 years in the future, something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And you don't have to deal with anything. Frey and her brother are the only slayers in the world. So now we've cut that all out. We don't have to deal with it at all. True. So you could do something like that. Just do the story of Frey. Just with different people yeah exactly so that is a potential as well and i would be okay with that do you, but they still want the high school thing right i mean they, they want to it to be a kid well show. she's still want, only 16 15 yeah, or 16 but, do, but in space and in other time do they go to school are they going it's to it's new york 20 whatever so yeah, yeah. i know that's good or bad. 21 whatever yeah so my biggest concern and that's why i said i might eat my words by the end of this this is like my biggest complaint is the show's too long we could do things better. We could be darker and edgier. Now, here it comes. <laughs> like, now we have a chance to do it. Who knows what network this is going to be on? The, the latest news announcement is a guy at Fox was like, listen, man, this is way in its infancy. There's not even a script to look at. We're just talking. But we're going to do it. But we're just talking. So nobody knows anything. Um, so if it ends up on Fox or ABC CW. or... 
mean, See, that, I mean, that would be the, the one because that's what the UPN turned into. I would almost want that. Dude. And I also think that you can get away with more stuff. I don't know. The CW, people, like the devoted weird fan people go to the CW. And I think that's what this show has always been about. Could we move Buffy into the DC universe? Uh, fucking possibly. I mean, no, who's, who that. owns Dark Horse? Are they their own thing? Oh my God. Because I mean... not do enough research. Yeah, anyway. But... What if it does turn into... So, Joss Whedon's also producing a new show called The Nevers, which HBO bought immediately to series. Bought two seasons, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I worry that part of the fun of Buffy, which is the lightheartedness, which is the campiness and stuff like that, as much as I belittle some of those moments, Mm -hmm. when we get the balance, when we get it right in season three, in the later seasons, where you have humor, but also, like, gravity... If we can do that right, that's great. But if it turns into a weird fucking gore fest where people are just cussing for no reason because they can, or there's gratuitous sex for no reason, but just because we can, mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to watch that show. As much as I I conceptualized it, I don't know if I ever wanted it. I just thought it was an interesting mental exercise. But I don't know if I want to see it. I don't know if that's what I want for the show. Yeah. Like, part of the reason why Buffy is so remarkable is because it doesn't get super dark. So they can't contain that campiness, which I don't know if they can. No. I don't want to sound like an old person and pretend like... It, but reboots are hard. You just yeah. You just can't... I don't know why you'd want to do this one. This is an, almost an impossible one to do. Because it, does, it also doesn't feel necessary. Not that no. any of them really do, but... But a, a lot of the reboots that we end up talking about, though, don't actually have long-running comic series. Uh, yeah, that follow up the end of the story. Exactly. And I think that's so crazy to me that... I don't know. I feel like at that point you almost have to treat it like a comic book, you know? Like, you, you've got these Batman stories and Spider-Man stories that just restart over yeah. and over again. You just hey. have new endings and new versions, and they die and they come back, and no one's mad. Like, the movies are different than the comic books, but they have to be, and the comic books are different than the last guy who wrote the comics and mm-hmm. how it started, and, you know, I think... To be successful, you almost have to take that approach with Buffy, where it's like, and now it's a new era of Buffy, and this is the way we're going. You kind of, that's you know, a very like convincing argument. <laughs> you know, Spike, or Spike, you get Spider-Man, the Morales version uh-huh. is so different from the initial version when he started. Yeah, every five or six years they'd kill, they'd wipe out their oh, universes yeah, yeah, yeah. and restart. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, unless you're going to do that with Buffy and be like, look... It's the same idea, it's the same character, but it's a different character. It's yeah. just a different show. Same yeah. thing, same vibe, same person you kind of know and love, but where is this person? I don't know, Are they're like in 2018 now, and you know, it's like Seattle? the new Slayer, yeah, in Seattle, and it's raining all the time, and like there's just like the story of the Slayer who did this awesome thing, whatever. So my wish is yeah. either we're talking a story in between the end of season seven and the beginning of season eight, those four years. And the only way you do it is by, if you have to mention Buffy's a person, it's a set, like the, the actual Slayer we're following, see some kind of news report or something where Buffy's like recruiting Slayers. She turns off the TV. She's like, that's not my shit. I'm on my own thing. And like, we just never fucking talk about it again because she's living her own fucking life. Like, I don't give a shit that there's a million Slayers in the world. I'm d- going to do what I need to do. So John Luke Picard is coming back for Star Trek. Do you think that... Wait, what? Uh, Patrick Stewart's going to be the Star He's going to be on Star Trek, the CBS show. Really? Yes. I, so, haven't, I haven't watched do that, th- Discovery. I don't care. Yeah. About but do you think that after season two, because we're bringing back Kirk and... We're doing it all, basically. For we're doing a Generations thing? All what the fuck? It. Everyone's showing yeah. up. Sarah Michelle Gellar, she chilling. I know. I know. 
She looks older, obviously, twenty years old. That's why, like, so that's the thing. But she gonna show up on this show if it becomes a thing. She's gonna be on. But the she show. can only be on it for a second, unless we're doing it for twenty years in the future. I know, but she will look twenty years in the future. She can't pretend that. She's that's what I'm saying. Like, if she's gotta be on the show, it's got. She either got. It's gotta be a second we see her, or we're doing it twenty years in the future, or we're doing a Frey esque storyline. Right, or we're going to space where then everything is possible, and Xander <laughs> is flying us around in the white. No, Xander. doesn't matter. No, Xander. Xander has his eye patch on. Well, we know Nicholas Brennan's not through. fucking doing anything. <laughs> That's what I mean. He's cheap. They'll buy him up in a second. Yeah. Can you imagine seeing them all again? And James Marsters looks like a weird. Oh, and he's one hundred percent not doing anything. No, I know they're all like golem creatures, except for like Allison Hannigan, who is like just perfect and the same. Yeah. And Sarah Michelle Gellar is perfect too, but yeah. they're all older, but not yeah. as old as like Marsters. Well, looks. see, that's part of the problem though, because you can't have a vampire that ages. How do you bring back Spike? Amen. That's why you yeah, don't Yeah, you do bring this. him back. You can't unless James Marsters is going to be someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they either need to not be or involved at all. Or unless they're going to pull some bullshit like, well, now he's human and he's been aging and that's a whole thing know. we didn't see. I hope they're not are. involved at all. I if agree. we have to involve them, I hope it's for seconds and they're never brought up again. I want James Marsters to show up but as like a really old professor who's not Spike and who's just referenced for being a vampire expert that she goes to and asks a question (laughs) and then he says something that's total bullshit and she leaves. <laughs> so the actors make cameos, but not as them. They're yes, characters. Yeah. That's, See, yeah, that's great on that, yeah. other shows. <laughs> <laughs> you do it on Buffy, it feels... I mean, it feels great. I love that show. Yeah, that was pretty good. I just don't know if they're that fun. I Juliet just Landau that, looks exactly the same, too, for what it's worth. Drusilla. Like, I just don't know, because they are fun. Kendra and tell us her story. You could, that's, what, like, that's why I think the, if you're going to do... I think it makes sense to do the four years between the end of season seven, beginning of season yeah. eight. If you have I someone mean, completely removed and another fucking country do who doesn't want to join the group, is a prologue of this happens before Buffy. Oh, uh, Christ! Why not? Uh, yeah, go back to the eighties yeah. or something. Oh, that's in the book. Wouldn't that be fun? Get a little bit nostalgia mixed with your nostalgia. I mean, <laughs> okay, you <laughs> could you could do Nikki Wood's story. You could you could absolutely yeah, do Nikki Wood's story. She goes that to South America, like. New that York. would be huge. Actually, that's probably what they're going to do, actually, now that you're thinking about it. That that's probably fun. it. That makes the most sense. Yeah. Wow. I don't know why I didn't think that sooner. And that's oh, well, what they wanted, too. Yeah. You know, Black Slayer. Yeah. And, like, it all sort of fits Not in. that you couldn't have a different Black no, Slayer. I know, I know, yeah. No, no, no. But, like, obviously, this is where their minds are going to yeah, go. Yeah, that's actually really good. That's and 80s things are fucking hot right now, 80s, too. And they're on the train. You kind of know the ending, which is, like... Better Call Saul. I mean, it's still shit, incredibly yeah. successful, and you know how that shit ends. So... Why wouldn't you do it? Wow. Wow. Okay. Nikki Woods. Nikki Woods. Well, then you'd have a different storyline than Buffy because Buffy yeah. doesn't have a kid. Well, I mean, when we went, I went well, in depth Spike, on that episode all about Spike? Nikki Woods. Oh, no. We're going to have a new Spike, maybe. A younger Spike. A younger British man. I mean, that's the end. That's the absolute end. And she really lives sure longer than me. any Slayer besides Buffy. She lives for seven years, I believe. And you have relationships. She has a kid. I mean, yeah. you're, you're building in all this emotion. And her watcher Just takes Robin. At, like Even after she good. dies. Want, this yeah. is good. Yeah. This is good. This is good. I'm, I watch I'm a show. That, yeah. We could do Nikki Woods. That's a great show. Nikki the Slayer. <laughs> yeah, Nikki the Slayer. Yeah, I'm into that. This a better. That's a great show. Yeah. I want to see that show because she gives that, it up. I feel like that would lend itself well to a grittier feel too. Yes, because you, you start in New York and then you go in South America, and, it's like and she's like on the DL. Yeah. But when it's all over, all you got to do is have old clips of Sarah Michelle Gellar being summoned as the fucking Slayer. 
Well, even and Spike gets to use that scene too. I guess, oh, like yeah. in a weird way, just kind of put him in there. Yeah. And that was later in the, so it's probably in HD. It's probably great quality. You can just, yeah, basically have her like almost like weighty. You know, season four. It's like the season finale, series finale, and she's about to walk on the train, and then it just goes to the old footage of yeah. them fighting because you already know what's going to. But just happen. have her CG'd in there oh. instead. Yeah. Well, no, not really. I mean, you don't really even see her face. Oh, right? you do. Yeah. Oh, in the fight. Yeah, yeah, nice. a lot, a lot. Oh, so they'd really have to fuck with. Yeah, that. but. They could do it though, That's almost beat for beat, yeah. exactly the way it is. Like just refilm the whole thing. I love it, Jess. I mean, Come they on. brought Leia Come back to life to finish yeah. Star Wars. Why sure. didn't they just do that with Spike? I know, right? Philip Seymour Hoffman too, for yeah. Uh, Hunger Games. Yeah, this is possible. All right, we're calling it now. If the apocalypse comes, beat me. Nikki the Slayer. Nikki the fucking Slayer. We'll be covering every episode if we do. I mean, regardless of what it ends up being, we're going to fucking watch the show, you better believe. So. Yeah, I was going to have a whole tangent about how Connor should have his own show, but I'll just leave that for no, another no. time. Man, Nikki the Slayer. That should absolutely be what they do. I'm glad around to that. I'm yeah. feeling really bad about everything, but I feel great now. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well... Tune in for Nikki the Slayer on CW. <laughs> we will be back September 29th for Anne, first episode of season three. Very excited to get into it. In the meantime, why don't you tell us your Slayer theories? What's going to be next for the the show at large or anything you want to talk to us about? You can find us everywhere. If the apocalypse comes, beat me. Nope. Beat, at beat me pod? It's at beat me pod. It's been a while. At beat me pod <laughs> everywhere. Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, Facebook. Um beatmepod.wordpress.com mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully again times are tough but we have some robot news for you over the summer which means we'll have a whole new playlist so that'll be at beatme hyphen summer rewind season two it's not music it's just a meaningless sounds there feel better yes thanks if you want to listen to a playlist sorry let me explain that a little bit sorry <laughs> Hopefully the robots well, have the re- podcast fans part. You should no for for the no for this for the summer ones. I don't do that. Uh, oh, is yeah. this like a, you did this last summer? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Hopefully the robots have been in to regale us about the albums that have released over the summer, and if they have, there will be a song from every one of those albums mentioned on our Beat Me Hyphen Summer Rewind Season Two playlist on Spotify. You can find that there. So, thank you so much for listening to this. And you're you're the best. I'm so excited that we get to do this, and I'm hope everybody's as stoked for season three as I am because I cannot wait for that sweet sweet quality increase. Woo! We're gonna be able to see stuff. Not everything is shrouded in darkness. In the meantime, Daniel, say goodbye. I cannot wait to see folks. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> say just say goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you again. Goodbye. Kelly, say goodbye. I just did. Kelly, say goodbye. Oh God. Kelly, can you say goodbye? Nikki the Slayer. Nikki the Slayer! Tell me, <laughs> Hey! We don't have time for this. Our friends are in trouble. Now we have to put our heads together and, and get them out of it. And if you two aren't with me 110%, then get the hell out of my library! We're sorry. We'll be good. <laughs>